Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Al Manorino, and I am the managing editor of thepopbreak.com. With me, as always, not under any substances at the moment, couldn't say the word substances, is the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, Mr. Bill Bodkin. Bill, why did you let me drive? Uh, one, because uh, dad had a real rough night last night. It wasn't because of substances. Um, so yeah, I decided I've taken the last three episodes. It was your turn to drive. So, and like many things on this site and in my personal life, I have made a grave error. And you I'm have. Heard, much like, uh, you know, deciding to take on a bunch of guys with machine guns with a golden axe. Uh, that is essentially what this podcast is. I am the Golden Axe. My name is Bill Bodkin. Welcome to the 104th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. We are in part four of our Moon Knighting miniseries. And let me take the keys from Al for a second because um, I know someone who would pull them over in a heartbeat. Uh, let's introduce our panel for this episode. Uh, making a uh, special appearance this week, uh, you might remember him from our what if what if we did a podcast about what if uh, review series it was sometimes we get, well sometimes we get you don't you don't put any effort into it besides showing I up i have to come up with everything <laughs> so uh you're like listen i am often mark and steven yelling at you at the same time um so uh he uh he is the big cat he is a senior staff writer for the poprake.com an og member of the bob culture podcast and uh some of his best work i have to say is his interview of the entire cast of the stars series heels starring Stephen amell the big cat matt wittis welcome back to the show sir thank you so much and thank you for giving me visions of gnomes getting kicked for little blue magic bottles when you mentioned golden axe uh, of course, that's what I do. Do I know that reference? Maybe. We'll see. And of course, rejoining us, um, he is the Khonshu uh, sitting on the shoulder of both Al and I every single week telling us that we're idiots. And he's right. Uh, of course, he is the uh, associate editor and handsome devil from USA Insider, Mr. Tyler McCarthy. Welcome back, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me. I don't think you're idiots, or at least I've had the restraint not to say it aloud. I'm certain of that. Well, if one of us is going <laughs> to, one of us on this podcast is going to be entombed in a small little sand-like figurine amongst many, <laughs> a, a whole Tetris level of small, like sandy figurines. So Al, you good? Yeah, I'm great. Um, there is one thing I want to talk to you all about before we dive into Moon Knight. And it's something else Marvel related that happened this week. Um, we're not going to do a full deep dive on it, but I would love to hear from each of you what your favorite part of the Thor Love and Thunder trailer was. Um, so I will start with Bill. Bill, uh, we got, we finally, I think this is our shortest amount of time between a movie trailer and a movie premiering ever in like Marvel history. Don't know if that's true. I'm throwing that fact out there. I'm pretty it sure is it is. Though. They've actually said it. Yeah. Amazing. What was your favorite part of the trailer? Which by all accounts was amazing. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, my biggest, my biggest fear, my biggest fear, like the th stuff that keeps me up and not, not, not the overwhelming sense of death, not my job, not anything I'm on medication for. The thing I fear most in life and kept me up at night 
was would they have a good song for this trailer? I'm just like, <laughs> they cannot fumble this. Listen, if you're going to go Firehouse, that's a question. They got some good hard rockers, but if you go too sappy with the ballads, they went perfect with Sweet Child of Mine, and that just set the tone, and I was just like, guys, this is all I want, and guess, here's my hot take. They don't have to release anything else. No trailers, nothing else. This exists. That's all you need. You sold everyone. We know it's a movie. There's pictures. We're good. We saw Lady Thor. We're good. I don't think you need to do anything more. They will, obviously, but I don't think they need to do anything more to sell a ticket to this movie. For sure. I feel like they've already done enough with uh, Multiverse of Madness, where we've seen almost too much, and I'm sure we haven't, but it feels like it at the same time. Tyler, favorite part of the Love and Thunder trailer? Um, I definitely, for me, it was the gag where, you know, um, Star-Lord saying like, look at the people you love and you get Chris Hemsworth just sort of leaning into frame, doing his goofy open mouth smile. And it, <laughs> it just reminded me what we're in store for just a lot of charm from Chris Hemsworth, Taika Waititi at the helm, knowing how to utilize that charm. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm with you, Bill, like you don't have to show us a damn thing else. Like I'm, I'm sold. It's Thor four let's just get into it uh as it is there's they're clearly like not able to show certain things so as not to spoil either moon knight or multiverse of madness so like let's just let's just quit trying and just keep me in the dark and i'll buy a ticket you have me at this point marvel it's been a decade matt what about you uh do you know what i think uh well what they're portraying here is like a change in tone like ragnarok that was Led Zeppelin and arena fights and just gigantic balls everywhere uh, from on everyone. And this is like, they're taking it down a notch. You know, it, it's, it's GNR, but it's a ballad. You know, the return of Natalie Portman, always a favorite of mine. Just, just loving the, the switch up. She got yoked too. She just got like straight up ripped. Uh, which is crazy to see my favorite part I quickly. Like, I mean, I love the entire thing. Um, there's straight up direct homages to um, Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic's Thor God of Thunder run. Uh, Jason Aaron is like basically like his heart and souls in this movie. Besides God of Thunder, he's also the one who brought Jane Foster as Thor. So there's a lot of Aaron influence and uh, just seeing like direct panels recreated were great uh, i love that we didn't get to see gore yet who's played by christian bale which is amazing uh, gore the god butcher who is like one of the coolest villains from the comics uh from that kind of thunder run yeah and then uh the my favorite part was so so small so insignificant and also right in the beginning was seeing young thor running through the woods and you get to see him in the classic costume i was like oh my god it's amazing so Huge fan of that trailer. So we're gonna I, probably I, I have one other thing I have to say. The sure. him doing the the, the chains, like doing the class yes. CrossFit, wearing the hat that says strongest Avenger. Mm-hmm. That's but amazing. he also straight up like the Forrest Gump vibes. He's also rocking too with the beard and that same color hat, like the Bubba Gump shrimp hat. Um yeah, everything about this movie looks amazing. I also like that he clearly stole one of Star Lord's jackets and like ripped off the sleeves yep. too. Like that's yes. gonna be really funny. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't kill each other on the uh on uh Peter Quill's uh, ship, which I can't remember. Oh the Milana. The, uh, Milana. Milana, thank you. Milana. So enough about Thor. We will probably review it on this very podcast. 
later this summer. Bill said it's already in the schedule. So let's talk about Moon Knight in our first segment. Here's how we stay awake, which is where I uh, drunkenly, drunkenly slash while not trying to fall asleep, read the Wikipedia entry for this episode, which is episode four, The Tomb, written by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead and directed, oh wait, no, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead and written by Alex Menehan, Peter Cameron, and Sabir Prazarda. Wow. A lot of names. All right. This is, we, we are we're heading into, we are literally heading into the tomb right now. Yes, right. Contest. Grant and Layla find a deserted campsite at the location of Amit's tomb, which is a maze in the shape of the eye of Horus or Horus, or I don't know how to pronounce it. Horus. They dis- like Horus. Well, Horus. There you go. They discover that some of Harrow's men have been killed by undead Egyptian priests who attacked them. Layla defeats the priest, but encounters Harrow, who claims that Spectre was one of the mercenaries who murdered her archaeolog- archaeologist, archaeologist, archaeologist. Thank you, father. Um, I don't know why these Wikipedia entries have to go with all of these words. They can probably First off, shorten it a little these bit. Ent- these entries are always like, here's 10 logic gaps. We skip yep. four scenes. <laughs> We're now like, he's like, she confronts Harrow. Yeah. The end. And you're like, wait a second. They also put her father's name that I cannot pronounce. Oh, no. no. Life of me. Grant and Spectre find the tomb and discover that Amit's last avatar was Alexander the Great. They retrieve Amit's Ush. Ushabit from inside Alexander's body. Layla angrily confronts Spectre, who reveals that his partner killed Layla's father and Spectre himself before Khonshu revives Spectre as his avatar. Harrow arrives and shoots Spectre, who wakes up in a psychiatric hospital populated by people from his life. After escaping from Harrow, who appears as a therapist at the hospital, Spectre finds Grant in a separate body trapped in a sarcophagus. They also see a second sarcophagus with someone else trapped inside before being greeted by a hippopotamus-headed figure. Guys, I didn't make those things up. That actually happened at the end of this episode. So let's get right into our next segment. Holy shit, it's Moon Night, where we talk about the best segment from this episode and guys i think we can universally say that getting transported to the psychiatric ward and putting this show in the position where i thought we were going to be at from the get was maybe the best segment of this episode because up until now it felt for me personally i'm going to go first i guess for me felt like you know, let's do Indiana Jones, the TV show. Let's do The Mummy, the TV show. Like it felt like that a lot of the time. And when I thought or saw that we were getting a Moon Knight show with Oscar Isaac of all people playing these multiple roles with this disassociative identity disorder, I thought it would be a little more weird. Like we've seen this already on TV with Legion, which is one of my favorite shows ever, let alone a superhero show. I thought we would get more of that. We finally get that in this episode with this change of scenery, psychiatric ward. And as someone who's just read the Moon Knight comics where this is based off of, awesome. Like, super happy about this. So that was my favorite segment uh, so far this episode. Uh, Matt. Uh, Yeah, there was a lot of little touches there in the psychiatric hospital. The 
you know, the, the old VHS movie of, I think it was called Tomb Buster. Was yeah. it the name? You see the cheesy effect of us definitely a science class skeleton falling down. And mm-hmm. that's where the, the name Stephen Grant comes from. And uh, like these little unique spins, because like Moon Knight is one of the more convoluted. He's almost like Hawkman as far as the convolution of his history and trying to you know boil that down for for a TV series. I think they did a great job of adapting what they could and improvising you know everything else. Bill. I it's I do love that scene. Don't get me wrong. There's so much um I watched the episode twice and when you if you guys go back to the episode it, this scene again you'll start to pick out like, oh, that's the HR person. That's this person. Oh, here's that little thing right here. And it's, you could go back to that scene a couple of times, which is, it's not something you would often say in some of the Marvel series outside of Wanda, really where you're going back and picking up just little pieces here and there, like, oh, that was this, this was this, this is how this all pieces together now. But to, for me, my favorite scene, the holy shit, it's Moon Knight uh, moment for me was when Layla is fighting the priest because it's it adds this actual horror element. And one of our biggest complaints about the show has been the special effects suck. This felt more like practical effects, and this felt way scarier, especially when mm. she's on like the precipice, the classic adventure precipice, which you know, we've seen this for the last hundred years of movies. We're inside of a, a tomb, a cave, whatever. Here's the precipice you must get across, and it's very narrow. But then we do the thing where she's pulled into the darkness and you're like, oh, yeah, she's not getting out of this. Spoilers, she does. And then takes a and everything is so dark and then takes a a, a um, flare Flare. and shoves it in her eye. She's very good with flares in this episode. Shoves it in his eye, falls off, the falls into the crevasse. And you're like, oh, she's somewhere, I guess. Turns out she's hanging on just like any good, you know, adventure film. But like to me, that's like the first time we really get, especially and even beginning before that with the priest, that's the first time we really get horror, like in the like good horror in this series and good effects on a monster in this series because they have been just dreadful. And yeah, so yeah. this was the goods. This is this is what I was coming for. This is the scary I want. And it's more stuff like that is better when it's practical instead of plastic because it's just you see the viscera and everything to it and you're like oh yes that is actually a you know a rotting corpse <laughs> and it is it is very much trying to kill somebody and uh, so that's my favorite part tyler yeah um uh, layla had a lot of clutch plays this episode she takes on the mummy priest by herself um she f- fights off that turret van or truck that's coming for them in the beginning and all she's got are some road flares um the 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 video gamer in me was like yeah that's how, that's how you pull off a clutch play well done <laughs> way to revive your partner this was this was well done um i think one of the one of the better smaller touches of this episode was the very last scene where steven and mark now together uh in whatever weird plane this insane asylum is um they both scream at the sight of the hippo. And I went back and rewatched and I thought it was very interesting that Mark screams and kind of like balls up his fists and Steven screams a higher pitch scream and backs away and starts to run, which I think is very interesting in telling of who they are as people. Um, on a larger scale, I, I also wrote this down too, Bill, like the horror, 
we're introducing some horror that I think is going to be very important to the MCU going forward, at least in terms of when we expect to see Moon Knight again after all of this. Um, and yeah, that scene where the it's doing the the priest is doing the weird clicking thing because I imagine it doesn't have a tongue, and like it's it, it's like taking the guy's like guts out while he's still half alive and that's like some violent dark stuff for the mcu and i love that they're not afraid to get there and they're not afraid to play with these scenes that are creepy where she has to like very stealthily move to the other side of the weird operating table so she doesn't get caught it was just a lot of good horror uh and and a different tone than we've seen in other marvel projects and we get the great line i squished it i squished it (laughs) And then he runs away because, and, and also, and luckily, like uh, I'm actually doing uh, a whole MCU retrospective podcast called Bill versus the MCU. There's so much comedy within Marvel that doesn't work. That is so like on the nose, banana pie in the face, like waka waka. And you're just like, and that's insulting Fozzie Bear, not paying homage to the great comedian of our time uh, is it's just so bad, but that works because Steven he would say that that's not a forced quip. That's just like, he's like, no, I squished it. I'm, it's okay. It's good. All right. I got it. Yes, I did that. And then runs it's almost away. soothing himself. Like, yeah, it's, just yeah. like, it's just like a turning red where it's, she's brushing her face with the two, you know, with the two brushes. It's the same thing. I'm going to make, always make a turning red reference for the next month. Cause that's all I'm watching. That um, as a dad, he's, he's there. He's with me. We share this four, t- four times forever. So moving on to our next segment. The Idiot is Back, which is talking about the worst segment. And uh, I don't know if there is one, but I will make the argument that watching this episode for the first 35, 40 minutes, I felt like fatigued. Like I felt like I'm like, this has gone off, gone on long enough in the trajectory that they've been going. I'm not having as much fun as I thought I was going to have on this adventure, especially from that first episode where I didn't know where I was and didn't know who I was following and things like that. Like they kind of got rid of that fun surprise element with, you know, revealing Mark later. I just felt like, again, we were watching like the mummy TV show and I just like, all right, cool, whatever. But at the same time, like, eh, I don't know. I think they could do better. And then they did better. So it's like, the worst segment for me was like the first two thirds of this episode and not because they were bad. They just felt like predictable. Even the horror element was great. It was cool. But I'm like, why is there a zombie movie in the middle of this moon Knight show where we only get six episodes? Like I want more moon Knight. Give me more moon Knight. And they did in the best possible way. So it's like worst, but at the same time, it's just like, we, we got there. We're good. So I don't know how you guys felt. I'll, I'll throw it to bill worst uh, segment. I think one of my issues was the scene, the scene, the up scenes were too dark at times where I'm just like, just, just light something for me. That would be nice. It's something, um, light. something, just something, just give me, there has to be a ray of light somewhere. Uh, I felt just a little, like they were, I felt a little confused in the beginning. Like you, Al, I'm just like, okay, we've got this zombie. And I just said, it's my favorite part of the episode, but it's also like, um, at the same time, it's like, why is this happening? Are we going to get yeah, like, yeah. this is another question you're throwing at me. Another thing is like, oh, here's a zombie priest who is now, um, you know, MDKing people like there's no bus- nobody's business cl- harvesting organs, which I then like, I just went to my mummy. Re- I have a mummy reflex, I guess, when it comes to that. I'm like, oh, obviously collecting bodies to, you know, 
you know, uh, you know, take the a mummy and reanimate it. Then I'm like, wait, no. Harrow's the avatar for Amit, so I don't get what's happening. So I felt it was like a good scene, but it was also like unmotivated or very yeah. vague just for the sake of giving us a really great scene. And so I was just a little, it was a little, there's a couple logic gaps here, unless it comes back to play later, which it definitely could. Uh, but that was my problem. It's just like, okay, there's a lot going on that we don't know. And please stop doing this. Just like explain something in a sentence. You don't have to hold my hand. Just tell me the thing that's happening. Agreed. Tyler. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you guys as well. The, the first part of the episode, the whole tomb of it all, the Indiana Jones, the mummy, uh, it was a good sequence. It packed that horror. But then I felt like what they, re- in terms of driving our story forward, it felt like they really wanted to hang their hat on Harrow revealing that uh, Mark had something to do with Layla's father being murdered. And I don't know, I've been paying attention. I feel like I kind of knew that. So I didn't need a good chunk of an episode dedicated to it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you do go into the asylum of it all which is sort of like the second half of this episode, even though I think it was only like the last 10 minutes, but you go into the asylum and like, I, I understand from what I've read so far that if you've, I haven't spoiled anything for myself, but if you've read the comics, this is an exciting thing for you, but I haven't read the comics. So it's just more what the hell is going on in a show that already had way too much. What the hell is going on? It's also clearly trying to tease that, or it seemed that scene where you first get there and you're seeing all these little nods to like things we've seen in the past, how his, his boss is there. The girl he went on a date with is there. The statue guys reading bingo. All that's really great, but it seems like it's in service of making us think that the entire entirety of what we've seen is inside Mark or Steven's head. But then they promptly sort of undercut that by having Mark and Steven in the same place. Also, we've definitely seen scenes in this show without Mark being there to give perspective or Steven being there to give perspective. Arrow has been by himself. Layla had that whole scene in the last episode where she's getting her passport that just wouldn't exist if this is all in Mark's head. So it was a really well done scene, but what was it for? Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm scratching my head and that's probably my, my low point of the episode is how often or how, how much it wanted me to scratch my head. And when it thought it was blowing my mind, it was like, yeah, he, he killed her dad. Uh, uh, yeah, you know what? It was uh, it, like I said, we, we had two thirds of one thing, and then we switched gears. Uh, one of the things I, you know, I did like about the first two thirds, you know, when they introduced the horror, is up until now, if Moon Knight's in the suit, we know bullets don't harm him. You know, Layla, she's having fights with trained mercenaries and walking away victorious so there it doesn't seem to hold, have as much danger that you didn't really fear for them up until she gets dragged into the darkness and then she scrambles out and she gets dragged back in back in so they did really great job to that then they switch over to the asylum which was really cool you know they're playing a little head game with the with the audience gets very surreal at times because in comes, uh, you know, you know. Here's Mark and Stephen interacting, trying to get their way out of there. Almost like, uh, was the movie Sucker Punch? The uh, wow, that's there. There's a deep cut for you. Yes, that's a deep uh, cut. 
Yeah, very similar to that. That's where Isaac's in it. And the one thing that it, it's a great moment, but it's it almost felt like it was there just to be a moment. You switch gears on me already, and then throwing the CGI hippo lady at the end. It's it, it's a great it, it's a very good reveal, but it's also almost comical looking the uh, the the character itself, and it was almost like a hat on top of a hat. It was a small hat, but very silly looking hat on top of the hat, and that that was yeah. It hooks you if something's coming up next week, but I think that. that, that I- so Matt, I think that end, it just—I don't know if you guys feel the same way—that ending, that last shot, is either going to be like, "What?" or "Give me a break! What are you doing? Like, what a hippo?" Like, you know, I feel it's either just like, like exasperation or complete, like, complete charmingly befuddled. You're Hugh Grant at this point. Like that, I think that's essentially what you got to be because you're just like, "This is hilarious, amazing! Oh my god, I want us to know more." You're just like. Get, get, ah, and now there's a hippo now we have a hippo you didn't answer any questions now you throw me a hippo i mean i think that was my original reaction the first time when al's like hey did you finish i'm like that's a fucking hippo and he's just like yeah and i'm just like what you i know. felt the same way i feel like i've spent the past three episodes being like what's happening i'm too in the dark what is going on here they're running out of room to answer questions and then this episode was essentially like hey tyler you can straight go fuck yourself here's a talking hippo that's giant it's wearing clothes yeah yeah she's very pleasant she has a great accent <laughs> it was just like she's very genial it's just like okay but it's All right it's really it, it was very bizarre and it's it's very uh i think very uh night divergent it splits the audience i think like a lot of the show it's so it, it's it's confusing and frustrating but also so well done like they really shot it like a boss fight was about to happen and then to just get like hello it was so it was cute it was fun i loved it but it was I very it. it was very doctor who for me yep. very felt it very doctor who. by the way a side tangent because we're talking comics, we're talking uh, comic book TV shows. Um, I'm about to finish Dan Slot oh. and Mike Alred or Alred's um, run on Silver Surfer. Bill, I have Silver not Surfer. recommended a comic to you in a long time. It is Doctor Who in the vein of Silver Surfer, where he basically has a companion. It is straight up Doctor Who. You would absolutely love it. So they're reprinting the omnibus, I think, this summer. I'm going to send the link. I think you would love it. All right. Anyway. Give me a late birthday present. Nah. Summon the suit. (laughs) Best performance of the episode. Who do you feel had the best performance of the episode? I'll start. I'll go real quick. Layla. I really loved her in this one. She finally got her time to shine. Um, Dramatic, like tension, like action, horror, uh, comedy, romance. She kind of ran the gamut like really crushed i think this episode um and it's tough to go up against oscar isaac who's giving it his all so uh i thought she was great in this so uh bill ethan hawk i loved ethan hawk in this because we saw multiple sides of ethan hawk's character we see the general harrow where he is he's playing with people's minds and the, the the moment where he's telling uh layla about her dad which is a very harrow thing to do it's a very harrow thing to do. He's going to place doubt into people's minds and talk about morality and right and wrong. Then we see him pull straight up, pull out a gun and execute 
uh, Mark. Like he wasn't, ha- he was having none of it. And I love the little line actually in the beginning. Sorry, I'm going to skip back his line to Conshu where he whispers, he's just like, uh, I'm going to uh, something about celebrating. I'm going to celebrate you with my victory because your pain inspired this. So it's just like, that's a little thing we've never seen him directly, you know, talk to Conshu. It's always been like, always Mark's, Mark or Steven are in the room. So he's always talking to the avatar, talking over the avatar to Conshu about him. Um, and now we see him actually say it. And now we're seeing more of this darker, more villainous side. Whereas like with Harrow, I like, yeah, he's the bad guy, but he's that bad guy. I was like, well, I could sort of, okay, well, you know, he's got a point, he's got a mission. Do I believe it? Do I not believe it? Like how much, you know, is he, is Conshu actually the bad guy? And he was like, no. Harrow is just a piece of shit. He, he is a bad dude. And then we get this great performance in the asylum where he's Dr. Harrow. And he's this very trying to engage him and is very verbal and very intellectual, and very psychological. And it's just this great other side. And it, it but it, it's not so much of just like, I'm a completely different person. He's Harrow as a doctor trying to give care to a patient. So he's not evil in this sense, or it didn't come off that way to me. It's more of just like, what if Harold were good and he was trying, he was a psychiatrist essentially, and he's just doing the same thing. And that's the stuff he says plays into what we saw with um, in Moon Knight proper. So I really thought Ethan Hawke was great in this. Matt. Yeah, uh, I'm giving this one and backtracking a little bit into episode three. We spent about two and a half episodes kind of falling in love with Stephen Grant as this very, very Martin Freeman kind of vibe coming off of him. Yeah. You know, very likable, kind of neurotic, uh, you know, sputtering. And you, you just like this guy and you, you want to be along for his ride. And then Oscar Isaac, because he's that damn good. He switched over in these these last episode and a half. We've really gotten to see his Mark Spector, and Mark is a very different guy. He's doesn't have as many affectations. He's a Type A personality, very objective, and just seeing him put that out, not making him a robot either. Uh, that was pretty impressive to make us see this guy and. The same face, it's the same guy, same actor, and him switching gears to a different personality and making it believable. And we're not questioning who we see when he's Mark Spector. We know before he opens his mouth. And I love that about that. Tyler. Um, yeah, I totally agree with everyone's answer. Uh, I'm going to double down on uh, Layla, though, just because I think this really was her episode. Um, she was like that scene in the beginning, that action sequence where she's just got the road flares, like I said before, was just really good. I hadn't seen anything quite like that before. Um, she also did a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the part of this episode that worked for me, which was the horror. She, you know, in the in, in one scene, she had to play... Um, in, in one scene, she had to play Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween 1. She's hiding from him. She's not quite sure what's going to happen if she gets spotted. And then a couple moments later, she's Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween 2018. And she's ready to just fucking take this guy on. 
Yeah. Uh, and she does. And then when she's done, she lets out that like adrenaline scream. That's really like, it's very visceral. And she manages to get up and call Ethan Hawke or Harrow uh, condescending. And it's just, she has her, mo- she has a lot of good moments in this. And for a character that when she was initially introduced, um, it was kind of, a, her introduction was kind of, not botched, but it wasn't as good as it could have been. Now I'm like really excited to see this character uh, going forward. And in a series where I thought it was going to be all about Oscar Isaac, uh, he's obviously great and I'm always about Oscar Isaac, uh, but she's really like standing out as a star. And also sidebar, we mentioned Sucker Punch briefly earlier. There's a deleted scene where Oscar Isaac does like a musical number that everyone should look up because... It's amazing, That's and it's amazing. proof that Oscar Isaac thought he was in a different movie, but we should all want to see the movie he thought he was in. Amazing. <laughs> all right, so now we're going to move on to our conspiracy uh, and crazy ideas, thoughts, what musings, whatever you want to call it, uh, section of the podcast called Stephen, Trust Me. So put on your tinfoil hats or um, you know, ask Khonshu for a suit what do you got for us guys? Where do you think the series is going uh, in the final two episodes? Um, I'm very happy to say I have no idea. I'm very excited about that. I love that they did this complete 180 in um, the psychiatric ward of this hospital. Give me more of this. Give me more questions. I want to, I guess my only thing is, uh, I think I know who the third persona is. I almost thought we were going to get it here but they kept teasing it so i'm wondering if they're making up something new completely i'm hoping that uh the third persona is revealed uh the other person in the sarcophagus so uh bill what do you got uh well the hippo uh goddess character uh, is uh i was reading some stuff on this is uh made up for the show it was not in the comics i'm not made up but it was introduced into the show it was not in the comics so there's, I think we're going to get a lot more of this character. It'll be pivotal, I think, maybe to ferry, I pro- likely to ferry Mark Steven and, um, you know, Mystery Luchador uh, to, or Luchador Sopresa, uh, as they call him, uh, to, uh, to the other side, you know, ferry them back to the, the land of the living. Um, somehow Mark's getting, somehow someone's getting a Moon Knight suit back. Unless somehow... Layla gets the suit, uh, which uh, to me is earned. She's pretty great. I wouldn't mind seeing her as Moon Knight. Um, yeah, I I still think we we have a couple Marvel uh, Marvel or some sort of MCU connection up our sleeve here. Uh, the more we're getting closer to Doctor Strange, the more I'm just like, what if? You know, it just like it just like we saw so much with what if that I'm just like, uh, could this be somebody? I don't know. And I also think there's gonna be more gods because remember, we saw those gods there that shot was on purpose. They've imprisoned a lot of people. Um, and I would not be surprised if Moon Knight continues if some of those end up being villains for future uh series or seasons, I should say. And then, by the way, they blew away my theory that we're going to get a flashback on anything. So our podcast yeah. editor was like yelling at me. He's like, I don't want flashbacks. You didn't get them, buddy. They just said it. They just said, yeah. Uh, Matt. Yeah, I think uh, by episode six, you know, they're going to tie it into the greater MCU in, in some fashion. 
most likely to Doctor Strange because these gods, you know, they're not uh, they're not all you know athletically built models from outer space like the uh, like the Asgardians or the Eternals. These are more. I, I got a very strong um, American gods vibe off of Conshu uh, just sitting over his shoulder and giving the voiceovers and his more of a mystic flavor to it. How far they're going to go with that, how much they're going to introduce it, whether, you know, the next couple of movies coming out where it plays a part, but that that's where I see, I think it's going to end up uh, opening up kind of the, the dark side of the MCU things like the book of dark hold and stuff like that coming forward. Tyler. Um, I think, you know, so my big theory about this has to do mostly with Steve, uh, Mark's decision to say like, you know, Layla run, I'm going to cover you, but I don't think he gave her the idol. I went back and watched that scene and he didn't give the idol to her. So it's like, you're not covering her. You're kind of surrendering. They're not going to chase her. They're not here for her. They want that idol. Um, and I think when Mark was shot, he was, he fell into that water and we saw him sort of go into the sunken place. Uh, and then later on, we see the hallway kind of do that tilt thing and gravity shifts that way. And I'm just, I just watched that. And I remember thinking like, that's a water thing. I think Mark's still floating in that water in on its tomb on the brink of death. And I think what the asylum might be is Ahmet sort of test figuring him out because her whole thing is judgment uh you know are you a good person are you a bad person well how does that mesh when you know steven and mark are supposed to be judged in the same vein mark helped kill her father steven uh you know make sure everyone tips the performer who uh, acts like a statue they're not the same guy they can't be judged on the same scale um that said, there's also the hippo god there. So it could also be, like Bill said, they didn't linger on that shot of the other gods imprisoned by accident. And if you recall, Khonshu's last words were like, tell Mark to come get me. So I'm wondering if maybe being on the brink of death after whatever Khonshu did to give him the powers allows Mark to be sent to this void. in Because it's not an asylum. If it's an asylum, it's designed by like, Kanye West with a flair for Egyptian like architecture. It's weird. So Kanye it's a weird West. place. So, yeah. So Kanye West. Um, so I'm thinking it could also be that prison, and Mark is just able to be there because of his brush with Kanye. Do you think um, he would? Do you think he becomes Amit's if he still has the? I don't know the whatever it's called. Um, do you think he would become Amit's avatar? I thought about that, but I'm also like, well, Harrow is there as the doctor and he clearly runs the place at the very, he's ordering around the orderlies or whatever. So I think Harrow's still her guy, but she may be testing the waters to be like, maybe, maybe this Mark person is, or this Steven person is who should be my avatar. Guy just gets saved by gods left and right. It sounds like. Yeah. All right. Well, we've reached the end. It is now the scales will judge, which is where we rate the episode from one to 10 uh, zombie priests. Nice. That is. Thank you. One to 10 zombie priests. Uh, What did you guys feel about this episode? Uh, You could do any last thoughts as well. 
Uh, I will go very quick. I thought this was the best episode to date, um, mostly for the inclusion of the last like 10 minutes. Uh, but I did enjoy the rest of the episode. It was very well done, well paced, a lot of great character moments. I give this a nine out of 10 Ooh. zombie priests. I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, nothing much to add outside of uh, more of this, less of everything else. Bill. Uh, I'm going to go eight and a half because the arm did fall off at one point. So it's going to be eight and a half zombie priests. Um, I, uh, w- one thing I really enjoyed about this was the, the rom- the romantic chemistry between, uh, Layla and Steven. It was quite charming. Uh, especially when she's like putting him in the harness. I'm like, Oh, we, we're just going to have to send moon Knight to horny jail here because this is, this is getting a little intense. Uh, someone got bonked and it was Layla. Um, but I also like that moment that we, he was able, Stephen made the choice to say, Mark is pushing you away because he wants to protect you from becoming the next Moon Knight and being, you know, Conchu's avatar. And I was like, like even Mark said, that was really unexpected. But then again, it shouldn't be. It's Stephen. Like he's one, not good with secrets. And two, he's very honest. So he's going to say that because he knows that's something Mark would never do. And obviously, Stephen and Mark are, you know, branches of the same personality. So this is just the one side of Steve, the one side of Mark that he never lets out is Stephen. So um, he's doing this. And, you know, it's it's funny. She's falling in love with the same guy, just with his two personalities. She's just like, well, you smell like him. He's just like, well, of course you do. But it's this different side. And I thought this was such a great moment there. It adds a different dimension to the relationship between Layla and I'll just say for lack of a better term, Moon Knight. But yeah, this was the best episode for sure. It's funny, scary. It was interesting. It was visually stunning. The effects didn't suck. Thank you. Um, Like this was, this is what we came for. And so I'm very happy we got it. Matt. Uh, I'm giving it six zombie priests, three orderlies for a total of nine. Uh, All right. With with a hippo asterisk. Uh, It's a big asterisk. That's a big asterisk. Well, it's a hippo. It better be. Yeah, true. Uh, No, this was, like I said, this this is, we've played, you know, the mummy via memento up until now. And we we played. Very well done, sir. Mummy mento. Mummy mento. I was going to say that. I was drinking my beer. Mummy mento up until now. Oh. Now we're getting trippy. The fresh now, thing. We're, now we're getting into the into the headspace and kind of sense his uh, character renaissance. Uh, God, it's probably about a decade ago. I'm old uh, with the rock bottom storyline. That's where Moon Knight is. He's not, you know, he's not dollar store Batman anymore. He's he's a very damaged guy. So is Batman, but <laughs> he's. But he's not pretending. They're not even pretending he's not anymore. There, there's a lot going on there, and there, the asylum was just the perfect kind of internal metaphor for what's going on with the character for probably the next episode and a half. I think they're gonna bring it full circle at the end. But very exciting, loving this episode. Excellent, and Tyler. Uh, I'm going to go on the lower side and give this one a six. I didn't like it quite as much Mm. as the others. Um, I think we spent a lot of time. I don't hate the sort of Indiana Jones mummy 
storyline that we've been telling. Um, it's good. It's been effective. But my biggest gripe has been, you know, we're in the dark for so much of it. And here we are with two episodes left. Not only are we still in the dark, yeah. somehow it got darker. Like we don't know. There's so much more confusion. I don't know quite what's happening They're Like I said before, they're teeing up that this is all in like Mark or Steven's imagination, but that can't really be true. I just don't know what's happening. That said, playing around with Steven's uh, disassociative identity disorder, really manifesting it in this way where he actually gets to stand in the same room with his other identities and, um, you know, giant hippos. I'm all for the chaos, but I feel like we're not, we're not being told a coherent story, which is my big grip. Um, But, you know, I'm willing to be proven wrong. They got two episodes to prove me wrong. I don't hate the setting, but this as just like a singular installment in this larger story, it was a lot of uh, things we already knew and a lot of what the fuck. It was. Bill, I have successfully driven this moonlighting episode. Surprisingly. You're going to have to take us home. Well, it's moonlighting, but thank you. What did uh, I say? Moonlighting? I said moonlighting? Yep. Well, See, I almost I almost nailed you it. You almost got it. Moonlighting. You crashed so right into the mailbox there, pal. So You didn't crash. You sort of like hit those things on the I side hit, that are supposed I to hit you. I hit the mailbox. I didn't crash. I hit it, though. You hit it. Well, that's what your mom. Well, see what your mom says. By your mom, I mean Megan. Uh, when she doesn't listen to this podcast. So, yes. Not once. Yes, not once. My wife neither. Uh, so, we uh, we are going to close up on this mum- journey between the mummy and memento, as our guest said. Let us uh, tell people where we could find everyone on social media. Matt, you are our esteemed guest. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on the internet, particularly uh, on Twitter, uh, as I am a writer for the Pop Break and particularly our pro wrestling section. Uh, most of my articles are found under. At a anti smark, anti smark with two A's, and uh, as always, anytime you see Pop Break or the Bob Culture podcast, uh, look to see if I'm on there. It means they've run out of guests and options. And there we go. <laughs> fair, I mean, fair but unfair. As that fair is. but un- untrue. Uh, unfair to you, but fair to us. <laughs> um, but unfair to us, uh, Tyler. Uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Tyler McCarthy, uh, where I mostly will post a handful of my articles and respond to things Al's already talking about. Yeah. Um, right. My only and, engagement. Yeah. And you can check out uh, USA Insider, where I'm writing a lot of things nowadays uh, for all things USA Network. Got some exciting stuff coming up, including a lot of WWE stuff. And um, they just announced that, yeah, Chucky's getting started. So that's, that, that, that's going to be fun. I heard that's good. The Chucky TV show? Yeah, I heard it's very good. Oh, yeah. It's quite good. And I I love a franchise that's not like trying to reboot or anything like that. A hundred percent of things that have happened with Chucky are canon. They address them for better or worse. It's the best. Amazing. That's great. Well, Al, now that you're stumbling into the into the house, uh, where can people find you online? You can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. You can see my photos of Wolf Alice on thepopbreak.com. And I just recently shot uh, Lord at Radio City Music Hall uh, for OG.com. Might have heard of the place, might have heard of the paper. Might have heard of it once. 
Uh, as for me, I am at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. I am a little behind on my writing for the poprake.com. That's because for things and reasons. But of course, I'm doing plenty of podcasts next week. The uh, fourth installment of Bill versus the MCU drops where I am talking about, let me see if I remember all of them, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, uh, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, and I finally, finally, finally watched Ant-Man. And yes, Al, it was really, really good. I loved it. You were right. I was wrong. Here we go. So you can find more of uh, Al telling me I'm wrong everywhere on thepopbreak.com, your best place for anything about television, movies, music. we got tons of music coming up. We have a whole new uh, interview series leading up to Summer Camp, which is a big jam band festival out in um, Chicago, uh, the Chicago area, Illinois, I should say. Uh, Andrew Howie's curating that. we got a lot of cool stuff coming up there. We also have some stuff with digital trends, comic books, anime, pro wrestling, all sorts of great stuff. Check out all our podcasts, which include Socially Distanced, and the winner still is the Way Too Early Oscar podcast, Pop Break TV, and the Breakcast, all on your favorite podcasting platforms. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pop Break. Next week, we are back with the fifth installment of Moon Knighting. Our podcast editor, Alex Marcus, will join us, as he always does, for the penultimate episode of the series, along with Tyler. So, Al's drunk. I got to go clean him up. So, we will see you guys next week.